All right, welcome back to another episode of the Badass Lifter Podcast. Today, I'm here with Beth. Beth is a no BS online nutrition and strength coach. She has a very successful podcast called the Cut the Crap Podcast, um, where she helps uh, chronic yo-yo dieters break free from from the all or nothing mindset and helps people realize they can do hard things. Beth, thank you Mm -hmm. so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I wanted to bring you on because I feel like you – I normally don't like tough love content because I find that it's not nuanced enough. But what I like mm-hmm. about your content is that I would still say it's tough love but in a way that is actually helpful. Like does that make sense? Where it's yeah. not just like, you know, get good or like be better. Like it actually has like, okay, well, here's how you get there. Not yeah. just like the uh, – which, which I really appreciate because I feel like a lot of the fitness world is just like – we'll just work harder. And it's like, well, well, thanks. I mean, like, you know, well, how do that. I do that? <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Or like, how do I work? What, or like, is, what are the I... action steps towards that? <laughs> yeah. How do I actually work harder? Or like, what does that right. even mean? Um, so I, I always appreciate that. Like your content, like actually does that where like, it's tough, but it's tough in a way that like is productive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like, I really appreciate that. Um, I would love to learn more about you. You've mentioned on like your pages that like you're a recovering alcoholic and I would love to hear about that story. Uh, Feel free to share as much as you want to share about that. Okay. Um, And we can go from there. Yeah. So I guess it kind of started um, in my, like, you know, 18 years old, I lost uh, three very important people in my life. My father passed away four days before graduating high school. Um, one of my best friends died in a car accident because um, he had so many broken bones, the marrow clogged his arteries. And then another friend of mine, this, you know, uh, senior year in high school, shot himself at a party I was at. Oh, my God. Um, this was like, what was yeah. it, like the same month? This or? was literally like the same entire year. Um, oh, my it was goodness. Horrifying. So as, you know, someone that's graduating high school and, you know, about to go on her own, I... It, I was a mess. Um, I kind of didn't deal with the grief. You know, everyone deals with grief differently. So I, you know, I live in Maine at the time um, and I just kind of left. I moved to Florida, moved to Arizona, kind of just, you know, thinking each state will make me feel better. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Um, Ultimately, I became a moved to California, started bartending in the bartender world. So that's kind of where, you know, that happened. It, It was a progressive process. It wasn't like I was an alcoholic overnight. I just, you know was partying in California. And, you know, uh, then I became a fashion designer and worked in another bar that was like a hip bar in LA. Um, I was just kind of in the scene, the drugs and the alcohol scene. Um, I reconnected with my high school boyfriend um, and uh, we got married. He, before we got married, had a stroke um, from planting trees so it was like an accident stroke he the artery carotid artery split in his neck oh um yeah yeah so we read yeah yeah apparently it happens like anyone it could happen to anyone literally if you turn your head too fast like riding a bike um the neurologist was telling me all these crazy ways that that can happen like that's great roller coaster or something so i was like okay that's that's scary um so uh you know, that kind of was like the turning point for me. I found out I was pregnant with our son at the time, and he was in um, a rehab center uh, with basically people that were like 90 years old from having like a stroke um, because of, you know, age and things like that. Um, So we had to learn how to talk again. And we ultimately, you know, 
um, ended up getting married. I think I skipped over a few parts, but we didn't get married till after his, his stroke, um, after our son was born. So I kind of took my alcoholism into like momhood, marriage, um, didn't drink really at all during the pregnancy or the first few months after I was breastfeeding. Um, but postpartum like really hit me. I was 40 when I had my son. So I'm thinking like a lot of the hormones postpartum. Um, I was really depressed. I had a lot of anxiety. My husband owned uh, a um, snow plowing business, a lawn mowing business and like a moving business at the same time. So um, he was working a lot, a lot. And so I was home with the with our son and I was a stay at home mom at the time. And so at night, every night I would drink, um, mm. that would be my thing, you know? Um, but it got to the point where it was just, I was hiding alcohol from him. Um, I was drinking in the morning. Uh, it was, it wasn't good. And I knew that if I didn't do something about it, uh, I would end up killing someone, killing myself, something would happen. And the turning point for me, was it was our anniversary and we were at a barbecue during the day and I drank so much. I ended, I was ended up driving home with um, my son and my stepdaughter. Um, everything was fine. No one got hurt, but that was it for me. I was like, if I do not do something, something bad's going to happen. So there was an AA meeting down the street from my house and I decided to walk in one day. Um, 7 a.m. My name is Beth. I'm an alcoholic. Probably the biggest decision I've ever made in my life. And um, one that actually I thought about for years. So I, I knew I needed to do something. But it's like one of those things that's like, why? You don't want to admit, like, I'm not an alcoholic. How could I be that person? Because, you know, there's right. such a, there was such a stigma around it. And eight years ago, there wasn't a lot um, in the online space for, you know, recovery help. Like now there's a lot more, I believe, um, online to get help for, you know, alcoholism. All I knew was AA at the time. So that's, I went every day for a year. Mm. Um, and that's kind of my story with that. Um, I started going to like a boot camp type thing with my friend, Allison. Um, that was at 5:30 in the morning. We met outside. It was, you know, still summer kind of fall in Maine. So it was still light out, still warm. Um, we met at 5.30. We would do like running and like boot camp type stuff at like a playground. Um, and then she got a job somewhere else. And I'm like, what am I going to do in the mornings now? I want to still work out. A gym opened up across the street from the actual AA meeting. And so I started going there and taking classes at 6 a.m. So I go to the AR classes and then go right to my AA meeting. And then a few months after going there, my boss, who is actually now my business partner, um, nice. he, he, yeah, he was like, I feel like you'd be a really good, no, this is after that. He was looking for a front desk person. So I was like, my son's about to start preschool. I'm going to, you know, this will be the perfect job for me. So I started working at the front desk and then he asked if I ever thought about coaching and if I would want to start interning. And I'm like, yeah, that would be awesome. So I started interning. And at the same time, I took, I decided to take my nutrition certification first because that was my first love when I actually, um, left my home and uh, when my father passed away, when one of my places I lived was, you know, Arizona, I actually started to go to school to become a nutrition major, but quit and moved to California. So it kind of became full circle. Sure. And one of the things I noticed from taking classes and meeting all the women is they're like, oh, we're working really hard. Um, we just don't understand, you know, why we're not losing any fat. 
And so I'm like, you know, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> so I started taking my nutrition course. I um, entered the Syatt Fitness Inner Circle with Jordan Syatt, and I kind of um, learned a lot from him and went through my own fat loss journey at the same time. And then I ended up getting my personal trainer cert and my certified functional strength coach cert from Mike Boyle. And that's kind of like how that all started. So slowly kind of went from <laughs> AA meetings to fitness coach in a very like, I guess like indirect way. Yeah. Yeah. So, so mm -hmm. for one, I think you might have one of the most interesting backstories that's been on this podcast. So, Ooh, you know, good for like you on that, that one. Um, <laughs> I think that's cool. I think one thing, so I don't have experience in this area. What I've heard, you were talking about like, there's the hesitancy to go towards AA meetings was that mm -hmm. for some people they're like, yeah, I have a problem, but like, it's okay for me because of, you know, I'm high functioning. I still have a business. Like I've heard stories mm -hmm. about that where people feel like, yeah, I'm an alcoholic, but like, I, you know, my life is still fine regardless outside of that. So like, do I really mm -hmm. have a problem? D did right. you, were there people who had experiences like that? This is just what I'm hearing from like the yeah. world. Like I, this is like, that's, like, I yeah. think that's, that's more of a denial. Okay. I mean, I, yeah, I, because you know, you don't want to admit you're an alcoholic. I mean, I was a function, I was a high functioning alcoholic. I, sh I would say like, no one really knew I had a problem. I hit it very well. Even my husband mm. didn't really understand the, the, how deep it was. Like I would hide alcohol from him. I would hide bottles of wine. Um, and also, you know, a lot of people didn't know that I, you know, drank a little bit in the morning. It wasn't like I was smashed, you know, right? So yeah, yeah. I hit it really well. It's not, I didn't go to the bars. I was a mom. I stayed, you know, we didn't go party. I was at home drinking. And so, you know, I was easy to hide. Right. Yeah. And I think it's, I think people have this like persona of like what an alcoholic is and they're picturing mm -hmm. like the person on the street drinking out of homeless, like a paper bag, like out of a homeless. Bag. Yeah. And then like yeah. many alcoholics or, um, I was talking to an old client of mine who actually did work in addictions and he was like, mm -hmm. you'd be shocked. Like, who are the people who have these problems that mm -hmm. like, it is not the stereotype. Like in many scenarios, it's like, you know, he, he was talking about, uh, I'm not going to name names obviously for, but yeah. he was talking about like, you know, the very successful lawyer with the kids and the picket fence and like his life was mm -hmm. perfect. And, um, in his eyes, he was like, that's how, you know, he's an alcoholic because there's so much to lose. Yeah. Like that, that like, but if you looked at his life, you'd be like, wow, like what a perfect scenario. Right. Like, why are you yeah. drinking? Like, you know, I mean, like that I think is, um, so mm -hmm. that's, that's what I've heard anyways. Like, that's like, it's the... true. I mean, it's very lonely. Like I hit it very well and it was very isolating. Um, deep down I, I was miserable, absolutely mm. miserable, you know, but not, no one really knew it. I really ultimately would have wished someone did an intervention on me. That's like the, how bad because I'm. I did not want to admit. I wanted someone to be like, "You need help." But no one did. Has to admit for you. Yeah. You, you know, but so every alcoholic that it's has to be their decision. No one can do it for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, and I think like I, I kind of I do want to tie this into doing hard things in fitness because I think mm -hmm. like you you talked about okay you've decided to get help like you had that you know incident that's like okay I like need to work on this. Um, what what's the first steps to doing something hard like that? Cause obviously like it's a lot, obviously like stop drinking is a lot harder than just actually stopping to drink. Right. Like there's a much, yeah. you know, um, if someone wants to do something that's hard like that, like what do you feel like is a good first step? It's really just taking action. Mm. I mean, as, as bland or as, you know, 
big as that sounds, it's like, it, 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 even if it's a small action, uh, just me telling my husband, hey, I think I have a problem. I'm, I need to go to AA. Like okay. talking to someone about it first, like t- just taking that first step, whatever it is, whatever that looks like for you, um, is really ultimately where it starts. Because without action, we don't really have anything. Mm, gotcha. Um, so I think that that totally makes sense. Now, I think one of the challenges that I've heard, and this is true in like fitness journeys as well, mm-hmm. is as people... I want to use, I'm going to call it relapsing where like they, you know, they, they're on track and then they like make a mistake and then they find it's hard to get that momentum back before. And I've seen this with like fitness journeys where someone has like a great four months and then like, for whatever reason, they miss a week of training or they miss a couple workouts here and there. And then like building that momentum back seems to be hard for some people. Did yeah. you ever have like experiences like that where like the plan didn't go perfectly and it was hard to get back on track? Or did you find that like once you were ready to change, you were kind of good to go? I ne- I haven't relapsed. Thank goodness. Um... I am trying to think, I had a lot of, you know, we all have these obstacles, but it's really like, just keep moving forward from the obstacles. Like, Mm. for instance, um, when I was interning at the gym, there was two women coaches that were uh, working there that did not want me to work there. So they made my life miserable. They would come to the class. They were supposed to be helping me. I'm new, right? Right. (laughs) I'm the intern. I'm supposed to be learning from you. But they would do everything possible to make my life miserable to the point where I actually almost gave up. And I was like, I don't think this is for me. But I'm like, you know what? Screw that. (laughs) I'm actually going to get all these certifications and I'm going to be the fucking best coach I can ever be. And watch, watch, watch me. So I that kind of negativity that they were throwing towards me, I kind of turned it around and I was like, I'm going to show you guys. And I did. Um, They came like one of them, actually, um, they both ended up getting fired. But when, when I started becoming an online coach, one of them actually reached out to me for me to coach her. And I was like, no, I'm sorry. I'm too busy right now. So, right. That's crazy. That's right? so funny, actually. That's actually it. It, it is pretty funny. I, I screenshot the DM and I sent it to Hunter and I was like, look at, uh, we'll call her Kay. Um, look at Kay right now um, sending me this message. Is this unbelievable? She did not want me to work at hybrid fitness um, at all. That's, that's um, just the yeah. tables have turned. That's so yeah. funny. Yeah. Uh, now I, I'd love to talk more about like, kind of like your fitness career too. And then for yourself, like did fitness help you with that process of being a recovering alcoholic or do you find yeah. that, that like, I would love, I would love to learn how that played a part as well. Yeah. Um, Fitness was a huge part of my recovery. In fact, when I was telling you about the boot camp I was going to, I got into running. My friend Allison, she was a, an avid runner, and she's like, you know, let's start running. She was also a recovering alcoholic. Um, and so I started running. And at that point, I started doing, you know, 5K races, 10K races, half marathons, um, trail races. And almost to the point where it's probably a little bit too much. I, I got shin splints, plantar fasciitis, but I was sober. <laughs> Right. It was one of the things that running was so hard, but quitting alcohol was harder. So it was like Mm. I was running um, because it was hard and because it was actually just, you know, giving me the feel good hormones and things like that. And it was keeping me busy. And I found a love for it. I think a lot of people when they quit, um, if they're from whatever they're addicted to, is they don't have find their don't know what their passion is or and they, they kind of become lost and then they turn to food or something like that but fitness became 
um, my ultimate love. And uh, I'm here today because of so it. Kind of, it. It kind of replaced <laughs> like your old passion with your new passion. Is that like fair mm. to say? Like you kind yeah, of. I guess. Yeah. It was almost like, especially because I was always kind of interested in it. I just, my drinking and my life, it just never took me to the fitness route. Um, mm. I did. I did start out as, you know, majoring in nutrition in Arizona when I went there, but gave all that up. So kind of like reignited the fire. Okay. That's great. Um, yeah. What was I going to say? Um, and also in terms of, I, I took a nutrition degree. That's like one of my degrees in the background and mm -hmm. uh, many people start and stop. It's like a very common thing. I think a lot of people picture it being one thing that it ends up being another. Right. Um, so you're not, you know, you're not, you're not alone on that. Um, yeah, but I like that you had fitness as part of something to focus on instead. I feel like that makes a lot of sense where, mm -hmm. and I feel like I've always talked about on my podcast, like you need a good enough why to stick with fitness. Like we can talk about discipline and motivation and going on days when you don't want to go to, but the mm -hmm. people who stick with fitness, they have like a good reason why they're there. There's something that's yeah. really passionate to them. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, this is, you know, I had a... For, I had a deadlift goal of mine. It took me four and a half years to accomplish, but it was a goal that mattered to me enough that I was able to stick with it for that period of time. Yeah. And for people who stick with training long-term, like they just have that thing. And it sounds like you were able to find that thing, stick with fitness, make it part of your life. Um, and I think not having that, like how long are you really going to stick with fitness? Does that make sense? Right. Like you need like mm -hmm. the, you need, you need a reason to go on the days that you don't want to go. Right. And I think yeah. like, the, and those days happen. Like those days, I don't care yeah. who your favorite fitness influencer is. Okay. Like they, sometimes they don't want to go. Sometimes they oh, yeah. don't feel like it or they're tired or anything like that. And I feel like it matters a lot to find that why, because it'll allow you to stick with training when you don't want to train. Yeah. Um, sort of like yeah. you need a goal or, you know, a focus. I, like right now, um, my goal in fitness is just to be as strong as I can be at 50 years old. And also I um, am getting back into running, which I haven't done really in a while, God, like maybe two or three years because I started Beth Rocco Fitness and I've been more focusing on my business. So I've kind of had to put things on the back seat. So I just did a trail race on Saturday, a 10K trail race. That was the hardest <laughs> thing I've ever done. It was all vertical. We're talking the first like two oh, miles no. were like a thousand um, feet elevation. It was like so crazy. It was like a mini Mount Katahdin, which is the highest mountain in Maine. And it, it, I fell really hard at the end to the point where I was like, did I break anything? I have like scrapes on my, my oh, arm no. and my knees. And I'm like, all right, I'm, I don't need stitches. I'm just going to run, um, just finish this off. So I run through the finish line and bleeding <laughs> covered That's in dirt. Um, but I'm like, I felt really strong. And I think that's, it was like, you know, that's why I, I train so I can do things like this that are really hard, but I can feel still really good doing it. If that makes sense. You know, it, no, it, 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 it sucked, but I felt strong doing it. Yeah. But it, it sucks, but it's also great in like another way where like your body was yeah. able to accomplish that. I think that's mm -hmm. a part of strength training. I always talk about where like, it's not yeah. about like just lifting heavy stuff. It's about your, you can do it now. Like yeah. you can lift things you didn't think were possible. Like, you know, I, I work with a lot of beginners and when I tell them like, you'll be able to deadlift your body weight in like three months, they kind of look at me like, okay, Mark's overemphasizing the program. Right. And then it happens in like six, seven weeks. And like, that's 
I think like a very cool experience when you prove yourself wrong in a very positive yeah. way. It's um, so cool. I've also, and of the runners that I've worked with, because I'm not, I'm not a big runner. Like everyone on the podcast knows that I, I, I've tried it. It's not, it's not for me. Okay. It's, right. Um, um, but they always say like, it's not necessarily the distance of the race. It's like the elevations and the hills mm -hmm. where like yeah. you would much rather do like 15K, but it's flat than like 8K, but it's hills. Mm -hmm. uh, is a much like, you know, that's, that's the part that gets you. Like, it's not necessarily yeah. the distance. So yeah, exactly. sounds like the one that, that you chose was like pretty tough. It, it was called the wicked tough 10 K. Oh yeah. They're like, this is the toughest. Um, they had a 20 K and a 50 K, but they're like the 10 K is actually the tougher of all the other two. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. I, so I was yeah. like, perfect. Let's do it. That's listen, good for you. Okay. And like you made it happen and like you've got a yeah. new thing to, got a new thing to work towards. Um mm -hmm. what made you interested in going the coaching route as opposed to fitness just being a journey for yourself? Um, that's a really good question. I think um I've always just been a good leader. Mm. Um I like helping people. Um and it, by by me helping others, it keeps me sober. I, I feel like it's my way of just giving back, like just being the helper rather because I was so self-absorbed and selfish before. Uh, alcoholics and uh, people that are uh, addicts are selfish. I, you know, it's, it's, just, it's what it is. I was very just an angry, selfish, um, self-absorbed person. And now um, I, I'm not that person anymore. I want to give back and I want to help other people um, because I know the potential people have um and a lot of people don't don't even know the potential that they have and if it wasn't for someone believing in me um and seeing my potential i wouldn't be where i am either right now okay that makes that that, that makes sense how do you, how do people realize what their potential is i think that's like a very interesting part of training where yeah. i almost feel like people have to be like they feel like they're almost foolishly optimistic about how it will go at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then um, they find out through the process, they're stronger than they ever thought. Yeah. But it, there is kind of like that first, you know, that first step where you kind of have to believe you can accomplish things you haven't done before. Mm -hmm. Like, do you have tips on how to build that confidence before you've accomplished the thing? It's yeah, it's like building that self-efficacy because a lot of people just don't believe in their ability to succeed. Right. So you have to mm -hmm. give them something that they can ultimately succeed very quickly. Like the easiest thing, the easiest action step. OK, I got that. That's a win. And then they start building that confidence that they can do actually harder things, because when you do that first initial hard thing, that to me may not be hard, but it may be so hard for the other person. Then the next step, they're going to do something harder. And then, you know, before you know it, the hard thing is now an easy thing. So it's really just taking, it's always taking that first little step, right? Um, and getting that first win. I Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with that. I think like you have to show people like you are improving. I think like this mm -hmm. is one of the things I like about lifting weights yeah. is that like you don't even need me to tell you that you're getting better. Like you can see it yourself where you started lifting five pounds and now you're lifting 30 pounds in like a row, let's say. Like it's like yeah. I, you don't need, you know, the number is the number you don't need me to tell you that you're getting better. Right. Um, and where I feel like a lot of goals based around how you look can be pretty subject. Like, do I look better after six months of yeah. training can be like kind of subjective. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's, I, I've mentioned this in the podcast before, but it's like, you're always kind of 10 pounds away from happiness. Right. Um, where like the, the, 
strength really doesn't have that issue or like that's what mm-hmm. it is. or even like a run like you've mentioned like the distance is the distance like did you accomplish it like what was the time that you accomplished it in um having those objective measurements i think really helps people to realize that they're getting stronger yeah um and also it's not something that, you like, can visually see right and yeah or, and, and feel and um even on on paper you're like well you just deadlifted this and then you did this the next week it's it's obvious that you are yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not it's not just me like being nice and telling you you're doing a good job. Right. It's like, no, 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 no. The weights that you've, you just hit a new personal best. You can do pull-ups now. Like mm-hmm. that's not me telling you how great you're doing. Um, and I think like that has a lot of, you know, one, one of the reasons why I think like once people get into the strength training world, they tend to stick there um, mm-hmm. because you do have that, like you're getting little goals as the process goes on, yeah. um, especially for new people. I'm always super mm-hmm. jealous. Like I'm sure you're at this point in your training too, where yeah. new <laughs> lifters, like just, it's just Progress regular personal bests over <laughs> yes. and over again. Um, and yeah. now like, I'm sure you're like, I, I'm ooh, 10 plus years of training at this point. And like, mm-hmm. you know, I just hope I get a personal best at some point this year. Uh, right, like, right. Five pounds. And like, that's where I'm at in my training experience. Oh, I know. Whereas it like took my me clients like... are like another personal best this week. And I'm like, damn, <laughs> nice, must be nice. nice. Like, well, yeah. I, as a coach, I'm very proud. Um, as a right. fellow lifter, I'm very jealous. So yeah. I, those were good times. Um, I want to give an example of my son who's 11. Okay. He's actually been doing jujitsu. Um, and he was wanting me to help him get stronger. He sees the weights in the basement. He's curious. Um, and he's like, can you, you know, show me some moves? And, uh, of course I started to do that. And he was like, ah, he got frustrated and I'm the mom. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, would you like to go to personal trainer and le- learn these things from someone that you can actually listen to besides me? So I took him to the gym that I used to coach at. And one of the coaches there has been coaching him for about mm, six months now. He, so my son is now loving strength training at 11. He goes two days a week. He used to go one day a week, but the first day that he went, um, I didn't think he would go back, but he did. So he came out of the gym room and he's like, mom, Mike's trying to kill me. I said, no, he's not. He's like, I thought I was going to die doing that 20 pound goblet squat. Like you just did a 20 pound goblet squat. And I go, watch how fast you're going to progress and you're going to be able to do 25 and then maybe 30. He's like, I don't know. So, you know, he kept going before, you know, it. he was doing 25, 30, he's at 40 pound goblet squat for 11. And that's what keeps him going back because he's seeing the progress he's making. He's getting strong. He's feeling strong. He's getting better at jujitsu. And so I wish just, you know, everyone just took that first action step and, you know, kept going and were consistent, like my 11 year old who mm-hmm. at the beginning was like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you know, well, I think that's what stops a lot of new year's resolutioners actually, where I think it's like, they have a lot of motivation going in, which is great. We love motivation, but, mm-hmm. um, it's harder than they expected it would be. And then like they, you know, they do one session, maybe two, and then it ends up being kind of the end for them. And I think yeah. what I, I try to encourage people is like, okay, give it time, like give yourself like three months, six months, whatever, like, like just, just make a commitment for that period of time. And you'll be amazed at like, things will get easier. You'll get stronger. You'll enjoy the process more. You'll be more comfortable in the gym. Um, but if you think that first session is what all the sessions are going to be like, like I wouldn't go back either. Um, and I think like, that's, I I don't even like blame them. And, you know, I just, I always try and encourage people. that's like, it does get better. You're mm-hmm. just, this is new. 
like things are scary or intimidating, you just, you, it will get better and you just have to believe it'll get better. Otherwise, like, I understand why you're not coming back like that. Makes yeah. Sense. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. I, so I, I think it's cool that you're also training your kid. I mean, I don't have kids yet, but that's, that's my plan as well. Um, yeah. it's like, it'll be, it'll be awesome. Um, what else was I going to ask you? I was going to ask you like, okay, so sometimes I think this happens a lot with new lifters because they don't, mm-hmm. um, they don't have that habit yet is they fall off track easier than I think like more experienced lifters where they miss a week of training, whether it's a good reason or not. Um, and sometimes it's hard to get back into the training or, and I think in some cases they always thought they were going to fail. And so like missing mm-hmm. the workouts almost becomes like, oh yeah, now I, this, this was going to happen anyways. Like I was, you know, when you work with clients like that, like what's your approach to dealing with that situation? I think I'm sure it's happened. Take, yeah. yeah. Let's take a look at your schedule, right? Maybe you're trying to go like three or four times a week when you should actually maybe just cut back to two. Mm. Um, sometimes they may have like an unrealistic expectation. Like I want to go hard and go four or five days a week. And then when they can't, they miss it. And they're like, well, I don't know if I could do this. It's like, well, maybe you had some unrealistic expectations that you set for yourself in the beginning. So let's try for two, start there. And then maybe if you are consistent with those, we can add another one. Right. Okay. So like, kind of like make it a more realistic schedule. Go from right. There. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. Cause I think a lot of people, um, the, the question I always ask people too, is like, what can you realistically do year round? Like not mm-hmm. when your motivation is super high, not right. when, you know, you have free time because the kids are in school or like whatever that might be. Like, what is the amount of training you can do, you know, 90 plus percent of the time. Um, and mm-hmm. that, you know, um, cause I would rather you crush a program that's two days a week, like you mentioned, than try and do a five days, which like maybe you yeah. can do that for a little bit, but like, you're just not you don't have that kind of time or you're, it's not enough of a habit yet for you to do five days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I find most people I work with sit in the three to four days seems to yeah. be the right amount um, where five gets a little complicated because then you, yeah. um, you have a life outside of fitness um, and right. you need to, you can't, I don't want you, you know, neglecting your life outside of fitness for right. that fifth workout and you can get stronger anyways on three to four. So yeah, um, that's, that's what I've noticed as well. Yeah. I think also people want to do uh, so many workouts. Like they're like, that's, I'm only going to be successful if I can do it five days a week. It's like, no, that's not really the case though. You can cut back a little bit and it'll be okay. Yeah. And like the five day, I'd rather do two days a week consistently than five days a week sometimes. You know and, what I mean? Yeah, like that's exactly. The, um, and you know, like how you write the program is a little bit different, but really other mm-hmm. than that, like, you know, like I, especially again, like as a new lifter, like two days a week, you can, you can get stronger. Like you oh, yeah. can, and then, um, you know, start smaller. It is what I tell people like things you can do year round are probably smaller than like what you might anticipate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like that's something to keep in mind is, you know, really, really big changes are really hard to sustain, but like smaller changes tend to be easier to manage and yeah, it's easier to set your expectations that way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? But yeah, I no, I appreciate you sharing your story on here. Like, um, I love that you're so open about where you came from and where you are now. And, you know, it sounds like you've really turned your life around in many different ways, which is awesome to see. Um, if people want to learn more about you or people are curious on like your coaching, you know, tell us a little bit of, like about what you offer and where people can find you. 
Yeah. I'm at Beth Rocco Fitness um, everywhere. TikTok, Instagram. I have, you said like the Cut the Crap pod with Matt Vandalar. Um, I have one-on-one nutrition and strength coaching. Um, you can fill out an application online. We work with people um, to get strong, lose fat, heal the relationship with food, a lot of mindset work. Um, so yeah. Awesome. No, yeah, thanks mm-hmm. for coming on the podcast. Um, yeah, thanks glad for having to me. Have you. Um, and, uh, yeah, thanks for listening to another episode of the Badass Lifter podcast.